0: This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chetka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Today's podcast will be slightly different. My podcast team feels there's an interest out there in you learning a little bit about me. They tell me they got this idea from our listeners, presumably both of them, Therefore, today we're joined by Dr. Tom Shives, a recently retired Mayo Clinic orthopedic surgeon and the host of Mayo Clinic Radio. Uh, Tom has hosted this for over 25 years. So in this special podcast, we're going to turn the tables where Dr. Shives interviews me regarding my career and experiences. Well, Tom, you are not only an extremely accomplished orthopedist, but uh, an award-winning radio journalist, and I am extremely honored to have you here with us today, and thank you so much for sharing your time with us.
1: You're very welcome, Dr. Chuck. That's nice to have you on your own program.
0: Yeah, well, I'll turn the tables over to you. Go ahead.
1: Now you're on the hot seat. feels right. a
0: little different, doesn't feels It feels a lot different.
1: Well, you will probably have more empathy for your guests in the future.
0: I certainly will.
1: So tell us a little bit about your background prior to coming to Mayo Clinic. Okay.
0: Um, I grew up in the Twin Cities, it was a uh, suburb uh, just north of, right between Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, I went to college, the University of Minnesota, majoring in child psychology, which tells you I really knew what I wanted to do with my life because I ended up in geriatrics. Uh, Married a wonderful woman and who has supported me throughout my career. We have three great- I hope she's listening. I hope she is too. (laughs) We have three incredible children, um, all grown, and they are all successful in their own careers. Uh, I went to Mayo Medical School as in the third graduating class uh, shortly after it opened, did my residency here at Mayo in internal medicine, and then went on to do a, a fellowship in geriatrics at Stanford University. And I came back as the first geriatric fellowship trained geriatrician and um, started a geriatric fellowship at Mayo and uh, did clinical work in geriatrics for uh, 19 years and then eventually transferred to um, a more consultative practice in preventive medicine. I got very interested in teaching and taught in the male Medical School since I started on staff over 30-some years ago, and um, I've been associate dean for the School of Continuous Professional Development. Uh, I've been doing that for 10 years and now just stepping down from that role and uh, recently have been asked to be host of this program, this podcast, Mayo Clinic Talks, and uh, extremely honored to do so.
1: Well, it sounds like a great career you've had already, and it's far from over. I hope so. When you were a medical student here, did you uh, always want to be a Mayo staff physician?
0: By the time I got to medical school, that's what I wanted, but even before that, medicine was not my first choice. Uh, It actually wasn't even my second choice. Uh, When I was in high school, uh, we had to take these aptitude tests, and we had to meet with a counselor. And I am really grateful for having that opportunity because they really set the direction for my life. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to teach high school chemistry or math. And the uh, counselor said, "You know, that's uh, it's an honorable profession, but." And uh, at that time, in the 70s, there were very few jobs for teachers. And uh, he said, you know, you'll probably be a substitute teacher in some small town for several years waiting to get a full-time job. And that can be a tough career for you. So he said, what's number two? And I said, well, I I, I wanted to be uh, going to radio journalism and radio broadcasting. And uh, he convinced me it's uh, also a tough life to uh, make a living in. (laughs) How about number three? Number three, he said, (laughs) have you considered a career in medicine? That kind of shows up high on your uh, aptitude tests. And uh, I actually hadn't. There's nobody in my family in medicine. So uh, I thought, sure, why not? So uh, that's, that's the direction I took. Why did you choose geriatrics? I mean, some
1: people would say that that must be sort of a depressing field, dealing with old people all the time.
0: Well, and my original plan when I went to college, I wanted, we had to take pre-med courses so we had to take all the requirements for medical school but you couldn't major in pre-med so I mailed majored in child psychiatry a child psychology thinking that I would go into pediatrics well I learned early on in medical school that pediatrics was not my area of expertise Um, it was really tough for me to see really sick kids that was the wrong age group for you Was the wrong age group I ruled out surgery really quickly Um, I have a tendency to have parts left over, you know, when I take things apart. You know, when I work on cars, I always have a few parts left over and I throw them in a box in the back. And I figured that's probably not a good trait for a surgeon to have. So I ruled that out, uh, which kind of left internal medicine, family medicine, and actually started in uh, family medicine. But I got frightened by how much family physicians need to know. I mean, that was just a huge amount of, you know, everything, pediatrics, adult care, OBGYN, so I went into internal medicine, and then even that was so broad. I decided to focus a bit on geriatrics.
1: But you still have to know a lot of different
0: things when you're taking care
1: of older individuals. Yeah,
0: and I didn't realize that at the time, but uh, <laughs> you did it I anyway. It's too late now. Too late.
1: Is there any uh, recent or past patient interaction that uh, was uh, interesting, or our viewer, our
0: listeners would find interesting? Without a doubt. The most interesting case I've ever had, when when I shortly went on staff, this was in the uh, early to mid-1980s, I was a geriatrician, and I spent some of my career in the urogynecology clinic, which was basically a female urinary incontinence clinic, and I had a young woman who came in, she was in her mid-20s, had recently gotten married, and she came in with a complaint of urinary incontinence. But it was a strange case. She was in her 20s. She was in her 20s, which by itself was unusual. Sure. But she said, we just got married, and my husband travels a lot as part of his work. And when we sleep in the same bed, there's this wet spot in the middle of the bed in the morning. And I don't know if it's me, and I don't know if he doesn't know if it's him, but it's one of us. And when he's away, it doesn't happen. But it doesn't happen to him either. So I was (laughs) puzzled. I mean, this was a case that I'd never heard of it before, and I didn't know whether to get urology involved or psychiatry involved. But I scheduled her back for a a thorough exam, and I also made an appointment for him uh, because I didn't know which one of the two had the problem. Well, they didn't come back, and I was curious. So I, I called her because I was wondering what happened. And she said, we were too embarrassed to return because we found out the reason. And remember, I said this was the 1980s. They had a waterbed. They also had a new kitten. Kittens have very sharp claws. This kitten punctured the waterbed, but it was a tiny enough hole that it only leaked water when there was enough pressure from two people to sleep on the bladder of the mattress. So the only time there was a wet spot, which was just water, was when the two of them were in the bed together.
1: <laughs> so what about uh, geriatrics, taking care of... What's, what's appealing uh, about that to you, taking care of uh, seasoned
0: citizens? I think... Those of us who are in geriatrics have all had the same experience. We've had a good relationship with somebody, either in in our family or in our life, who is an older person. And in my case, it was my grandparents. I had a very good relationship with them. I would take the train down when I was young and visit them. They lived in Chicago, and I would spend a week or two with them during the summers, And it was just a very good relationship. And I I think that's where it came from. But I've enjoyed taking care of elderly. They have such incredible stories to tell. Uh, Many have had such a rich life. And um, being here at Mayo, I've had the opportunity to see some incredible people. You know, we think of the Mayo brothers as just, you know, icons. But they were real people. And I've had the opportunity to see one of the uh, uh, nephews of uh, Dr. Henry Plummer, and he had all kinds of fascinating stories to tell me about uh, about his uncle in the early days of the uh, of the clinic here it's been a rewarding career I've thoroughly enjoyed it today's episode was sponsored by Mayo Clinic online CME personalize your on-demand medical education by choosing from a wide variety of topics Learn on your own time and register today at ce.mayo.edu.
1: Let's talk about the podcast, Mayo Clinic Talks. What, what piqued your interest? Why did you decide that uh, being uh, doing podcasts with Mayo Clinic people was a good idea?
0: Well, Tom, I have been so incredibly fortunate here at Mayo because Mayo has allowed me to do all the things that I've dreamt of doing. You know, I wanted to be a teacher. So I've been extremely active in teaching in medical school. And number two, I wanted to be a radio broadcaster. This was another door that opened for me. And I've, I've realized throughout my life, doors have opened. And every time I've gone through, there have been incredible opportunities on the other side. And this was a door that opened. It was purely uh, by chance. I had no idea it was coming. And uh, I jumped at the chance because it gave me an opportunity to fulfill one of my dreams that I've had since I was a young kid. I mean, I remember when uh, I was in junior high, a friend of mine, we got uh, an old tape recorder and we would uh, pretend we were recording radio shows. Uh, I used to listen when I was in the Twin Cities to some of the more famous uh, radio personalities. Uh, Ronald um, Reagan. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> uh, I was thinking more uh That might have been more a little local, bit before your time. No, it wasn't, actually. <laughs> but um, so radio has always fascinated me. Uh, I have, I've learned a lot by listening to those uh, famous radio broadcasters. I've learned a lot by listening to you. I tune in many Saturdays and listen to your radio shows over the years and have learned how to interview guests and how to uh, make them define technical terms that they describe. And um, it, this was just an opportunity that I thought was just amazing, and it, it has been. Yeah, well, thank you. So how do you choose your topics and your guests? Well, as I said, I am currently the associate uh, dean for School of Continuous Professional Development, so I have to approve all of the CME courses that come out of Mayo Rochester. And from that, I look at the topics that our courses designed for primary care physicians have put together. They've done all the work. They've done all of the needs assessment in terms of what does our audience want to hear about. So I just look at those topics. I also have access to all of the speakers in terms of how good a speakers they are, put those two together, invite them to be a guest on our show, and we pick topics that we think are of interest to the audience. And our, uh, our listeners have gone up tremendously, and I'm extremely grateful for that. Is your, uh,
1: are your podcasts aimed at the general public or to people in the medical profession?
0: We aim them at primary care providers, so internists, family physicians, NPs, PAs. Um, but we have had topics that have been of interest to the general public as well. You know, relaxation training, uh, probably our most um, highly subscribed podcast was the very first one we did, and that was the health risks and benefits of coffee. So there are many topics that we have that uh, many of our uh, lay public would be interested in as well. So coffee, uh, is it good? Yeah, generally. It's, yeah, very general? few negatives.
1: <laughs> What's the most interesting uh, topic that you've done other than coffee or the most interesting guest that you've had on
0: one of your podcasts? Probably one on relaxation training because I learned a lot. I learned a lot from each of these because some of these topics I know you know, we've had ones on guidelines for hypertension, hyperlipidemia, and so forth. I do that all day long. But um, one we had was on relaxation training, and our guest started talking about hypnosis. And I had always thought that was kind of a thing they do on cruise ships, and there was mostly entertainment. But uh, she convinced me that it's real and it's effective, and it's helped a lot of different people. So that was um, a, mo- a very significant interest to me. Where can people listen to your podcast? You just go on the online and uh, you need to download the podcast app, and it's available in either Android or the uh, Apple uh, formats. And once you have the podcast app, you just uh, do a search for Mail Clinic. and Mail Clinic Talks will come up and uh, you can subscribe and then uh, get each of the recordings. We try to put out one a week. Uh, we aim to make them short, no more than 20, 25 minutes at the longest. And uh, we try to vary our topics from one week to the next. And how do you get feedback on the podcast you've done? That so far has been hidden from me, but my uh, team gets it. (laughs) And presumably it's good. They're not telling me that it's bad, but there is a way for our listeners to uh, write in electronically and uh, give us some feedback.
1: You know, you have been here a long time. You've had a long career at Mayo Clinic, extremely successful. Uh, you know, it seems like the feelings of burnout are, are more widespread and growing among American physicians. Have, have you felt burned out ever?
0: I really haven't. I mean, I've been so fortunate. But I think the way you avoid that is to find something that you really enjoy doing, add that to a variety. I just don't think that one person doing the same thing day after day year after year is good for them Uh, the other thing change is good I did geriatrics for 19 years and then there were some political issues that were going on kind of forcing me to change to another uh, part of my career so I went to consultative medicine after the second half started so even though even though change can be painful I think it's good for us Uh, but finding things you enjoy and doing a variety of them currently right now My week is wonderful. Um, Every day I'm doing something different. About 35% of my practice is seeing patients, and uh, the rest of it is uh, doing this work, teaching in the medical school, uh, and then we also teach communication skills to our our new staff who come on board.
1: What about the the physicians are complaining about the mounds of paperwork that they have to deal with, the loss of professional autonomy, someone is looking over your shoulder or telling you what you can, or or can't do, and also uh, less and less time uh, for interaction with the patient.
0: That is so true, except it's not the paperwork anymore. It's our electronic medical record. (laughs) We are- It still takes a lot of time, doesn't it? It takes the same amount of time. We are a slave to that thing. And uh, if you can't navigate it and figure out how to work it, you're dead in the water. And we are now pushed to see more and more patients all the time, all healthcare providers are, and we need something that's efficient. And when we run into some problem, uh, it just totally destroys our day.
1: Do you think the uh, the medical students of today are different than when you and I went through, other than the fact there are a lot more females?
0: Yeah, I think they are different. But they have so many more resources available to them. Um, When I give a lecture now to the medical students, they're all sitting in the audience with their laptops and they can pull up the latest article on whatever topic I'm giving and question me about some of the latest research in that area. We never had that option. I mean, I haven't been to our library here for probably several years because everything is now accessible online. So this field of electronic education has completely changed things. But what hasn't changed is the area that I teach. I teach basic physical exam skills and communication skills to our students. That course is the same now as when Mayo Medical School first opened its doors in the early 1970s. And hopefully that's a skill that will be continued to be needed, how to talk effectively with our patients and how to do physical exams.
1: So it, what's the future hold for you? I mean, is there anything else you'd like to have on your plate? I mean, you're a geriatrician, you're involved in education, you're doing these podcasts. Any other goals for your future?
0: Well, the, the other key to success is setting your goals really low. You know, like I just want a parking spot. <laughs> so I've met that goal. So I want access to the fish, physician's lounge. I've met that goal. So if you set your goals low enough, you're, you'll meet them. So that, that's been my strategy throughout my life. Dr.
1: Chutka, thanks very much.
0: Thank you very much, Tom.
1: We've been talking with Dr. Daryl Chutka, the host of Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, as he shares some highlights, some wisdom, and some pearls from his own career. Dr. Chutka, thanks.
0: Thank you, Tom. Tom, thank you so much. Stay healthy and see you next week.